Hello. Hello again. It's been quite a while, hasn't it? I am doing better. I'm thankful. I'm still dealing with some residual stuff, but I'm sick of it. <laughs> I'm doing my best to just push beyond it. Um, my head is still quite stuffed. It's so ridiculous. But I'm loving this Corinthians so much. And before we really get started in, uh, let's see, April 3rd, 1 Corinthians 3, before we get started in that, I want to point out some things. Um, okay, so here is a modern world map. Are we all in there? Let me stand up a little bit so I can see. So here we have a modern world map, okay? So this right here is the goings-on of the Bible, okay? Just about everything in this book happens right here. Now, while everything is happening here, things are also happening here, happening here, happening all over the globe. But there are literal empires the same way that um, Greece was an empire. Let's see, where is Greece? Uh, there's Italy. Up in here, the same time that Greece was actually an empire or Rome was an empire, way over here in North America, there were empires happening as well. They were building pyramids, just like in Egypt. They were building uh, pyramids. Where's Egypt? My eyes are wonky. There it is. You know, these amazing pyramids that were happening here in Egypt. Same thing was happening over here. It's just that our book is not following these other civilizations. Our book, the Bible, is staying focused on God's story unfolding and God's story unf unfolded right here in this area. So with that idea in mind, oh, delivery. You guys know how Star loves deliveries. Give her a second, she'll be quiet. All right, Star, he's not gonna eat us. Everything is okay. Now, she doesn't believe me. Okay, so that is amazing. So let's let's go over here to this one. I actually shared this in the um in the sacred group. This map here. So uh, here's Jerusalem. My my printer cut it off. So here's Jerusalem. Okay. So now we're now we've gone from this big old world map here. Now we're zooming in right here in this area. Here's Egypt. There's Egypt. Okay. So here's Israel is this tiny little country. <laughs> so here's Jerusalem. It cut off here, but but there's Jerusalem. And um, you know, Paul, which we're reading in Corinthians, the reason this the reason I'm pointing out all these maps is because I'm wanting us to think about culture and what we grow up knowing based on where we were born or where we went to school or where we birthed and raised children. The things that we know, not necessarily because of the Bible, but because of which state of the United States we were born in, right? We know certain things. For instance, those of us down here, 
We know about grits. Grits are delicious. These people up in here, they don't really know much about grits. All these people over in here, they don't know about no grits. So, so, so sad these people over here don't know about grits. But we down here, we know about grits. Put some butter in there, some salt and pepper. Oh, Lord, that's good eating. Maybe even cheese. Oh, goodness. You start throwing some shrimp up in them grits. Mm. Now, see, we know about grits based on where we were born, where we grew up, our culture, where we were born. And I'm wanting to point that out because when we start reading Corinthians, it helps us understand what Paul is trying to accomplish. Matter of fact, all of the epistles, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, those all have to do with Paul having to teach information that all of these nationalities, these are all individual countries with unique languages, unique ways of wearing clothing, unique foods, unique um, oils and smells and scents. You, all of these are all unique based on where they were born and the culture that they were born in. Paul is from here, over here in Israel, okay? So Paul is growing up after about 3,000 years of a culture. Even if they didn't love God, they had a culture of understanding Moses' law. And Moses' law in and of itself taught them things about God that they weren't even recognizing, even if they weren't um, following Moses' law for spiritual reasons, okay? So Paul gets saved here. And if you remember the story about Paul, he's on his way to Damascus with letters of intent to arrest Christians, okay? So Paul is traveling from Jerusalem over to Damascus to arrest Christians. And on this way, he ends up being um, being blinded by a light and he has an encounter with God, okay? So now Paul is saved and Paul is doing all this traveling into all of these nations, these cultures, these languages that know nothing about Jesus Christ. And he is teaching them these things, okay? So Corinth is way over here. It's a part of, of Greece. There's Athens. Here's Corinth. This is where this letter has been sent to. Now, I want to do a little bit more backtracking, even though we're on today is the third. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But I want to talk about when this Corinth... C-O-R-I-N-T-H, that's the name of the city. Corinthians is the people. Like we are, those of us who live here in the United States of America, we are called Americans. Americans, or if we live in Florida, we like to call ourselves Floridians. Well, those who lived in Corinth were called Corinthians. Okay, so... Um, so Corinth is a city in Greece. It's got a population of about 90,000 people. Now here's something to, to think about when you think about the people and their culture. The Romans 
Okay, the, the Corinth was was an established city 400 years before Jesus Christ was born. Okay? So the people of this city they 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 started this this city 400 years before Christ was born. Now, about 140 years before Jesus was born, so 146 BC, the Romans destroyed the city of Corinth and then rebuilt it 44 years before Jesus was born. So, if you could imagine the city you live in, somebody coming in and absolutely destroying it. You can think about the um the country of Ukraine right now. The, the Russians are in the country of Ukraine right now destroying the city. And somebody's got to rebuild it whenever they're finished with all this war. Whenever they're finished with all this demolishing that they're doing, somebody's going to have to rebuild those cities that are in the country of Ukraine. And that's what the people of Corinth were living in. So by the time Paul gets to Corinth... Not only do you have the Romans having gotten rid of all of these beautiful, ancient 400 years worth of history that they, the Romans have just come in and trampled on, they've, they've rebuilt it and they've made it a new city. Now, my guess is the young people were thinking this is a very cool, hip city because there are new buildings new cool stuff going on. And those of us who live here um, where I live, um, we remember the villages being nothing but orange fields. And about 20 years ago, they started coming in and making those orange fields into nice new pretty buildings. So now we've got an Outback Steakhouse and we've got um, Ross and we've got TJ Maxx. Whereas we were nothing but country folk right? We had nothing. We had to drive 45 minutes or so just to find some of these stores that everybody else has around the, the corner. Well, that's some of the young people were probably really liking the rebuilding of Corinth, but the elders might not have liked it so much. So you had this mesh of, of elders and young people. Some people liked the newness. Other people did not like the newness. And the first time we hear about Corinth in the Bible is in Acts chapter 18. And um, we find Paul meeting Aquila and Priscilla, or Aquila and Priscilla, and Aquila and Priscilla, I'm not going to keep going on through this. Just go read 18. But I find it found it very, very interesting. Because Apollos is mentioned in the chapter we're reading today, I'm going to let you know that the first time we read about Apollos is in Acts chapter 18. And it is when um, he is a very accomplished preacher. And Priscilla and Aquila take him aside and teach him... Um, in Ephesus, they teach Apollos the ways of Jesus Christ. And Apollos embraces that and Apollos goes to Corinth. Now, Paul had been in Corinth for one and a half years. Where did I write that down? In verse 11, in Acts 18, 11, you're going to find that Paul stayed in Corinth for one and a half years, one year and six months. Okay. So during that one year and six months, he established a congregation there and he went all around this huge city, 90,000 population. 
And so in this 90,000 population, he would go all over these this huge city and he would preach. And then those who lived close in these neighborhoods, they would begin to gather in and the biggest house that could accommodate them. And that's where they would meet for their worship. Okay. And we, one of the reasons we know this is because in verse 11 of first Corinthians one, it says um, that the house of Chloe, those that are of Chloe has come, have come and told me that you guys are fighting. And so that's what Paul is addressing here in first Corinthians. Um, and I'm not going to keep going there because First Corinthians 1 is not our focus chapter. I love First Corinthians 2. I got all kinds of really fun things that I learned from there, but I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to move to verse 3, which is where we're supposed to be. And this is such valuable information for us because we get right out of the box a checklist for knowing whether or not we are being carnal or mature. So, Paul says, I could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal. So here's what carnal means. A carnal person is a person who has the nature of the flesh under the control of the animal appetites, human with the with the included idea of depravity. Now we just finished studying through Proverbs. And so we talked a lot about what foolishness, the foolishness of humans can, the depravity it can take us to. So this is people before they are born again. Before we are born again, we have the nature of our flesh, our animal instincts that may call us to be sexually impure. It may call us to um, take on all kinds of chemical addictions that destroy our bodies, our animal appetites. That's our DNA, our, our tempers, um, our personalities that can um, drive us to do really stupid things. But when we are born again, Jesus said, you've got to be born of the water and of the spirit. When we are born again, we have power over this. And we are not supposed to be letting our, our natural way we were born dictate our speech, our behaviors, our responses. We're not supposed to be letting this dictate us anymore. Know ye not, chapter 3, verse 16 says, know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? We're not supposed to be living by this carnal nature anymore. Now we are supposed to be conducting every aspect of our lives from how we talk to our boss, how we talk to our spouse, how we talk to our children, how we respond when somebody um, speaks ill of us, how we respond when somebody um, treats us wrong. We are supposed to respond as the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's how we're supposed to respond because we've been born again. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. But the Corinthians had something unique going on because we know from what I just explained in Acts chapter 18, verse 11, when Paul was establishing these churches across the city of Corinth, he was only able to be with them for one and a half years. 
And so he says, I fed you with milk and not with meat because at that point you were not able to bear it. You were young in Christ. You were babes in Christ. You were babes in Christ. But the problem is, is now some time has gone by. Now Paul has traveled on. Apollos actually has come onto the scene. And he was that eloquent man that we read about in Acts chapter 18, that Priscilla and, and, um, Aquila were so impressed with his speaking and they, they um, expounded to him the word of God more perfectly and he received that. But even though they had this, this uh, better preaching and teaching, they were still not able to bear meat. And this is something we've got to be aware of because adults are able to um, take a steak and chew it until it is able to go down and be digestible. But babies are needing milk. And we've got to understand that as we grow in the Lord, we've got to go beyond the milk stage and able to bear meat. Now, what does it mean? How do we know whether or not we are bearing meat? Well, when we are not giving in to all of these natural instincts, when we are able to get beyond our carnal drawings, that's when we know we are getting to be mature. You are yet carnal. What does carnal look like? It looks like envying. It looks like strife. And it looks like divisions. Carnality, this, this carnality that's going to drive us to depravity, this carnality that is the nature of our flesh under the control of animal appetites, it's going to say it's okay to envy, to, it's, that it's okay to have strife, that it's okay to have divisions, because that's the way of the world. The world is all about politics having sides. You're, you're Republican or you're Democrat or you're Libertarian. The world is all about, um, your, this style, this genre of music, your, your hip hop or your rock and roll or your reggae or your country or your bluegrass. The world is all about being team A or team B. But that is not the way of the spirit. This is our carnal nature that, that calls us to be one of those. Now, I'm not saying we can't have our, our, our things that make us more comfortable and that we like, but I am saying that when the things that we are most comfortable with based on our, what we are naturally attracted to, when when we live by what we are naturally attracted to and not walking after the spirit, because the spirit, when we are walking after the spirit, we're going to get beyond envying strife and divisions. We're going to get beyond those things and able to, to function as more mature people. Let's look at what envying looks like so we can check ourselves. We need to check ourselves and make sure we're not being these, this description. Envying means zeal in behalf of for a person or thing. David said, the zeal of God's house has eaten me up. But if we're not careful, we will have zeal on behalf of or for a person or a thing that's of this world, like a team, a sports team. There's, I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying sports, but whenever we allow zeal of a thing or a person 
override unity and override the things of God, the callings of God, the kingdom of God, then that's carnality. And we cannot be that person anymore. We have got to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Something else that carnality looks like is strife, which means quarrels, heated arguments. When we are finding ourselves in heated arguments over all kinds of things, over, uh, um, oh my goodness, sports comes to mind, politics comes to mind, um, my goodness, it can vegetarian, uh, carnivore. <laughs> it's like we can take a side over all kinds of things. And if you are finding yourself in strife, you, my friend, are a child that is still needing milk. You're not mature. You're living after your carnal nature. And you've got, we've got, we've got to learn to get beyond those things. Divisions, disunity, disharmony, discord. If we are finding ourselves in divisions, causing divisions, a part of divisions, no, no. Division has to do with disunity, disharmony, discord. Everything that has to do with the opposite of, well, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is why he comes on this scene to begin with. He says, Chloe's house, the, the, the house, the Chloe's people came and told me that there are contentions among you. And this is not to be. That is a very immature way of speaking. D division is like a schism. And a schism is when you've got a, a rock or a mountain that has split something that is so solid as a rock that can be split. And that is what a division is. And so if you are finding yourself very zealous about things that are not the kingdom of God, um, that you are in envious, that you are contentious, that you constantly feel like you're in a rivalry or you're jealous. This is, this is a sign to us, if we're feeling this way, that we are immature in our spiritual walk. This is our carnality checklist. We cannot be this way. If we find ourselves easy to get in a fight, we've got to seek the spirit of God. We cannot live this way. If we find ourselves in divisions, we cannot live this way. We have got to seek the hand of God, the spirit of God, the way of God. Um, and I, I don't know that I'm going to dwell on this for long, but he does talk about, um, he points out here, one says, I am of Paul and another, I am of Apollos. Are he not carnal? This is a carnal way of thinking. You know, uh, Paul and Apollos likely had different ways of, uh, of conveying the word of God. And Paul's making it clear, all we are are ministers by whom ye believed. We're not superstars. Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? It does not matter. We are simply and strictly ministers. We are the conduits of how you found Jesus. <laughs> so I planted 
when I was there with you for one and a half years, I planted. Apollos came along after me. He watered, but it's God that gives the increase. So neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that gives the increase. And let me go on and to further say this. As a, as a pastor's daughter, as a minister of the word myself, it is common for humans to feel very attached to those who convey the gospel to them. And that that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. Paul even went on to, to um, even protect the people that he won to the Lord, which is really what first Corinthians is about. He is, he is writing a letter to his spiritual babies, his spiritual children. Um, but we have to understand that ultimately we are but ministers by whom ye believed. We are not actually superstars just because we convey the word of God. Some people do it um, in a more exciting way than others. Um, therefore, because humans who convey the word of God do it in different ways, they they kind of get a name um, at conferences. You know, they're they're there are conference speakers, you know, um, and so they, one may be more popular than another, but that doesn't mean they're a better human being than the man or woman who conveys the word of God and doesn't have a huge following. The, the, the person who is holding your congregation together, they are the hero. Now, I say they are the hero, but they're not a superhero. They're not a superhuman. They are a regular human. Subject to carnality, like every other human, is subject to carnality. Subject to animal appetites, subject to human with the included idea of depravity. If they themselves, even though they, they stand in the role of, of leading a congregation from a pulpit, that does not mean that they do not have to also guard the enemy. Just because a person is in the pulpit does not mean they do not have weaknesses that they have to struggle with. Everybody struggles with them. And so it's, it's appropriate to understand that they are special. Um, and it's appropriate to honor them for the work that they do. But don't mistake honoring them for the work that they do as making them superhuman. They are not superhuman. They are not Jesus Christ. They are a human with faults and failures and, and uh, mistakes. And, and they've got to get through things just like you've got to get through things. I've got to get through things just like my kids have to get through things. So he that planteth and he that watereth are one. No matter what the dynamics of, of a person's ministry may be, we are ultimately doing the same work. We are, we are all just doing the work of the Lord. Um, okay, so let me, let me come down here. I'm going to end with these last few verses here. Know ye not, you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. So this is who you've got to recognize you are. You, you can be this carnal person you were born to be, but you were born again. And as a born again person, you now should be understanding you are the temple of God. 
that the spirit of God dwells in you. And if any man defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy. And that's who you are now. You are not just this person living by your own personality, likes and dislikes. Now you are striving to be this pure, holy temple of God. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Don't, don't get so haughty and caught up in yourself. The wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. That's Job 5, verses 12 through 14. I love how the New Testament, you know, here we are in our modern day quoting the New Testament. But when they quoted, it is written, they were quoting the Old Testament. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. And that's Psalms 94, 11. So, therefore, let no man glory in men. For all things are yours. I love this. If you've not heard Brother um, Taylor Fish's message that he preached at Souls Harbor last night, you can go and watch that message on our YouTube account or Facebook. Um, the date would be April 2nd, the Sunday evening service. All things are yours. <laughs> Understand who you are as the temple of God, as a person who has been born again of the water and of the spirit. You are the temple of God. All things are yours. What, what things are yours? Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. This is a very powerful understanding and insight. All are yours. <laughs> and you're Christ's and Christ is God's. Now, Christ is God's. Christ was, of course, God in the flesh. What's another term we call our flesh or our body? A temple. We call this this structure right here that has skin and bones and muscle, it is but a vessel that God works in. Just like Christ was a fleshly body that God put on to come and operate in the world. In that same way, you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you. So let's stop acting like this. Let's stop acting like we have to envy when we find ourselves taking sides and being in a rivalry with jealousy and contention, when we find ourselves bickering and quarreling, when we find ourselves in divisions or disunity or disharmony, let's stop it immediately. Let us not defile the temple of God, but let us recognize that we are temples of gods. And so therefore what the Holy Ghost did in, in and with Christ, Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do. So let's get out there and do it. Let's get out there and be Christ's hands, Christ's feet, Christ's mouth. Woo. Hallelujah. Let's get beyond milk. Let's start being able to take in meat. Ah, I love it. Thank you for joining me today. God bless you.